You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recording on Tuesday, November 9th, and the Philadelphia Eagles are now 3-6 and six after they fell to the LA Chargers 27-24 to 24 Week 9. On today's episode, we, got, we are going to recap that Week 9 loss. We're also going to touch on what we saw from Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. We're going to preview Week 10 when the Eagles head to Denver to play the Broncos. And we're also going to touch on a little bit of college football is something that we usually don't do. So we're going to switch it up a little bit today, but don't forget to rate, leave a review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram at bleeding green Insta, follow us on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. And before we even get anything uh, really started. Oz and End Zones with Seamus and Zoe will be recording a live show on Saturday, November 13th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Mitchell and Ness on 1306 Walnut Street. So feel free to shop by, uh, stop by and show them some love. Um, but yes, I am your host, Rachel Prevet, and I am joined by the best co-host in the universe. Fun fact, many people have told me that they wish they had a co-host like mine. So I'm just honored. But the one and only QB expert, Mark Schofield. How are you, Mark? I'm doing well, Rachel. And interestingly enough, I've had many people tell me to get a co-host like you, you know, and if they had a co-host like you, they'd feel a lot better about their lives. So, you know, it's nothing but love on this side of the show too. And excited to be here as the gentle listeners that are watching can see, I have another fictional yes. quarterback Jersey on this one just arrived yesterday. This is from arguably one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a movie from the eighties called the best of times. Okay. If you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. It's absolutely okay. fantastic. Robin Williams plays Jack Dundee. Okay. And he's now middle-aged and he can't get over the last high school game he played because his high school team, Taft, had a chance to beat Bakersfield. They're huge rivals, the big town. Taft was a little small town, but they finally had a good team. But Jack Dundee, played by Robert Williams, drops what would have been the game-winning touchdown. And he can't get over it. He works at a bank. He's, he's married to the son of a huge Bakersfield booster who has, like, paintings of Bakersfield football all around the office. He, he has to think about it every single day. And so he has this idea as a washed-up, middle-aged banker that, I know, we'll get everybody back together. We'll play this game again. I know we're all in our 40s. We've got bad knees and everything, but we're going to play this game again. And so I'm wearing the shirt of Taft quarterback Reno Hightower, played by Kurt Russell. And Russell was, I mean, Reno Hightower, fantastic quarterback. He was known for wearing his white shoes. And, you know, <laughs> so they actually, Robert Williams' character convinces everybody to play this game again. And so it's one of my favorite movies. And I, I do want to have a quote from that movie to start things off. And it's it starts with Reno Hightower, Kurt Russell's character, talking with Jack Dundee, Robin Williams' character about, you know, trying to play this game. And, and Kurt Russell's character starts it off. I was never great. I was pretty good. I was great for a round here. Every year I get better. 
The people remember me in my prime. The kids always ask me about the six touchdown passes against Porterville. Hell, I only threw three touchdowns. Jack Dundee, it was seven. Reno Hightower, I'm not going to argue. I like the idea of seven better. In a couple more years, it will be eight. I get better with age. My knees are killing me. I'm slow. That's why you didn't want to play the game. And here's the part that I really like. No, I just, I didn't want to destroy the only good thing I've got left. These stories about how great I was. And I absolutely love that. And Rochelle, I saw this movie for the first time when I was like 12 or something. And I didn't get that line. Mm -hmm. I didn't get that line until I was like in my 30s and 40s. Because yeah, the glory days, right? Like Mm -hmm. you get better with age. Like I threw, I think, 12 touchdown passes my senior year in high school. Mm -hmm. It was uh, Now it's up to like 16. Similar to that, by the time I'm in my 50s, I'll be telling my kids, oh, yes. I threw 25 <laughs> touchdown passes. I was showing my kids last night, Wesley University uh, put on Instagram, like this this panoramic of um, Andrews Field, the like main okay. quad where the football field gets set up. And I was showing the kids, this is where my dorm room was. Oh. Like, this is the view I had <laughs> over the quad. And, you know, this was the library where we'd play. And mm-hmm. you could see students like sitting in the library because it had these huge three-story windows overlooking the field. Okay. You know, as you as you get older, you'll 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 see, understand this when you when you start to get older. But as somebody that's at his middle ages now, like mm-hmm. I, I I get it. So that line sort of hit me. So if you haven't seen the best of times, mm-hmm. find a way to fall, find a way to watch it. it it's a fun it. little movie. Okay, it sounds good. I'm gonna check yeah. it out. Yeah. I'm gonna check it out. I like that quote. I chose with a uh, song lyrics like every other episode, but um. These song lyrics came from The Climb by Miley Cyrus. And it says, um, always going to be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm going to have to lose. Ain't about how fast I get there. Ain't about what's waiting on the other side. It's The Climb. I think we all know that Sunday was a winnable game for the yeah. Eagles. Like they held their own up against the Chargers when they were, you know, ruled. like um, the underdogs going in. A lot of people didn't really expect much of them, but they actually had a really nice performance. And specifically, like seeing that the running game these past two games has like worked very well for yeah. the Eagles. It took us a long time to get here, but I feel like it's part of the journey. So we know like right now, offensively, the running game is working in our favor. We're still, you know, need to be making improvements when it comes to the defense. Yes, but it's like, it's all about the journey. Like we're right. making steps, we're making strides. So Yes, that's so it's about the climb. No, I love that. I love that ratio. It wasn't this year supposed to be about the journey, the climb. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I feel that sums up what this year is going to eventually be all about. And yeah, you know, I, I know we're gonna talk about Jalen Hurts, but I, I think you're right about the run game. And if people haven't read it yet, um, Fran Duffy has a great piece on PhiladelphiaEagles.com right now about okay. sort of the offensive identity. Um, mm-hmm. and he points out over the last two weeks, the Eagles have run the ball at a higher rate than any team in the NFL, 63.9% of their plays. But they lead the league right now with 14 10-plus yardage runs. Okay. And during this stretch, the Eagles rank sixth in play action passing rate over the last two weeks. Jalen Hurts is 10 of 12 throwing off of play action over the last two weeks. And they've gotten a bit more downfield in the passing game. Mm -hmm. They lead the league in throws of – uh, Dowfield throws 20 yards or more, 21.2% okay. in the past two weeks. Like we've talked a lot, right, about offensive identity. Yeah. Maybe they've finally sort of figured one out. Run the ball, throw downfield off mm-hmm. of play action. You know, you start to wonder, is Nick Sirianni looking at teams like Cleveland, you know, teams like even the Minnesota Vikings, mm-hmm. play action, throwing downfield off of the play action. Maybe that's their offensive identity. 
I mean, it definitely feels good. It seems like, you know, the puzzle pieces are getting put together offensively. Like I said, defense is a whole nother ballgame. But offensively, like it feels good seeing like something that's working well for them. No, so I mean that that part is good to see. And yeah. but then we get to the Hurts question. And yeah. this is the question that won't go away. And mm-hmm. I think invoking those teams, say Minnesota, Cleveland, it gets us to what might ultimately be the question about quarterbacks in general and Jalen Hurts in particular. And that is mm-hmm. is he a quarterback you win with or a quarterback you win because of? And oh. I often look at quarterbacks through that sort of prism, right? And okay. a lot of people do that. And I think it's a good way to sort of look at them, tier them instead of sort of ranking them, and then decide, okay, is this this is this something we can work with? And the way I sort of define it, and I think most people define it, is this way. The quarterbacks you win with, right? You have to put a good offense around them. You have to put weapons around them. You have to put them in the right scheme. They're not going to transcend that. They're not going to – make that sort of three to five throws per game that they just put the team on their back. You have to have the right offense around them. You have to have the right scheme around them. You have to have the right players and coaching and everything around them, but you can win games with them and you can make playoff runs with them. Think about a prime example, Jared Goff with the Rams, right? Like Sean McVay had to do so much with play action, with, with concepts, with run game. He had to get them to the line of scrimmage before the radio and Goff's helmet cut out so he could keep telling them, hey, look, there are this coverage, there and that coverage, there in this front. Like He had to basically, to use the words of my friend Seth Galina at Pro Football Focus, McVay had to be a QB puppeteer. Like He had to like sort of pull the strains and make Jared Goff a serviceable quarterback. Now we're seeing what Jared Goff looks like in Detroit. You know, another example might be Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield. These are guys that you have to put the right offense around them. Is that ultimately what we're seeing develop with Jalen Hurts over these past two weeks? The play action, throwing out of heavy personnel, a focus on running the football. Are you sort of seeing them prop up Hurts, which would make you think, okay, he's a guy that you win with. Then there are quarterbacks you win because of, right? And Look, you can think who they are, like Russell yeah. Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. you know, Tom Brady. Yep. Like even you can make a case, Justin Herbert, for example. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that, yeah, maybe things might not be perfect around them at times, but they'll find ways to overcome it. They'll make those three to five throws per game. Look mm-hmm. at Sunday. You had Hertz played well at times, did some nice things, had some misses. The mm-hmm. miss to Smith, the miss to Goddard, the people going to point to. Yeah. Like the, the guys you win games because of, they hit those throws. Justin mm-hmm. Herbert hit some of those throws. You know, mm-hmm. Justin Herbert had the game winning drive. I mean, that's ultimately the difference between good quarterbacks and great quarterbacks. Now, Hurts can be a good quarterback that you win games with, and the Eagles might decide, looking around the landscape, free agency, the draft, that we're going to build it around him and sort of we'll win games with him because we're afraid of, you know, trying to re- redo the quarterback position. But that sometimes the line between winning a Super Bowl and making it to the playoffs is do you have the guy you win games because of or the guy you win games with? I think that's an excellent way to put it. And I think the examples that she gave were like spot on. So it's still early in her career and we're still figuring him out as of right. And he could maybe become that type, like the Tom Brady, like you you mentioned, but as of right now is definitely about putting pieces around him to help him learn and excel and become whatever he's supposed to be. Um, But uh, taking a look at his performance against the Chargers, uh, he was 11 of 17 
for 162 yards with one touchdown. Um, and I had a, found a quote that I thought was like actually really, really in interesting. You might have seen it. Um, the Eagles announcer, uh, Merrill Reese. Yep. He called into WIP to defend Hurts, and this is what he said. He said, to blame this game on Jalen Hurts is insane. Yes, he missed a couple of passes, but that kid is getting better and better. They criticize him for not being accurate enough in the pocket, but he put the ball into some small windows for Devontae Smith. He threw bullseyes. Then to see the athleticism, he did amazing things, and then he takes the blame in the locker room. He has a great attitude. He's a leader. I think this kid has a very high ceiling. And if you're going to be continue to be patient with him and you realize he's only started 13 games, he's going to be just fine. And when I was reading this, I was like, of course, you know, I'm team hurt. So I'm going to defend him to the end. But the best way I can compare it is like um, if we think about it, how old is Jalen Hurts? He's not even 25 years old yet. Right. And sometimes we forget like. Yes, he's in the NFL and we have like these high expectations for these professional athletes, but like compare it to like any other human who's starting their full time job, like their first full time job. Like nobody, your manager is not expecting you to be an expert because it's like your rookie year, your first time in that role is your time to make those mistakes. We're seeing him, you know, make strides. Yes, he's going to continue to make mistakes because this is technically still his rookie year, but I feel like. Like uh, Reese said, if we continue to be patient with him, like I think he's going to go far. And that's part of it is just the patience and continuing to allow him to develop because he's going to make the mistakes. But I feel like it's important when we see less and less of the mistakes. Yeah, and I, I absolutely love that you brought up sort of the real life analogy and parallel to this because you're right. We get so caught up in, oh, we expect these guys to be great out of the gate. We expect these guys to transition to the NFL extremely well. We expect great things from them. They're 24, they're 25. For, for a lot of these guys that are coming out, like especially rookies, right? You finish your college season, you start draft prep. It's a whirlwind. It's the world's longest, strangest job interview. You get drafted, and then you're in rookie minicamp and OTAs. And it For some of them, they're figuring out things like, getting car insurance, buying a house yes. or a condo. Like you're, you're figuring out real world stuff when mm -hmm. for most of your life, like it, it, you've been in high school, you've been then in college where you're a scholarship athlete and you haven't had to think about those things for the most part. There's a real world adjustment going on for these guys. And mm -hmm. with Hertz now is in the second year, but fourth offense in four years. And then, like you said, think about where you were at 24 or 25. Like I didn't come out of law school and immediately start trying like, circuit court jury cases See? like they had me at like red car hits blue car and it's a five thousand dollar bench trial in in pg county district court yeah. courtroom 167a on a tuesday morning at 8 45 i remember those days <laughs> driving out to pg county in the morning because you know you don't throw people into the deep end of the pool you have to sort of learn these things and so exactly. there is a real life adjustment that we should understand is taking place and have some mm -hmm. patience with. And as far as Reese's point overall about Hertz, he's right. I like he missed a couple of throws and maybe that is going to be ultimately the difference between Hertz being the guy you win with and the mm -hmm. guy you win because of, but you could still go to the playoffs and win NFL games with the guy you win with. He mm -hmm. hit some tight window throws, the crosser to, to Devonta Smith. Yeah. Third quarter, yeah. like, three defenders there. Mm -hmm. put it right on the money. Like he made some good throws. Mm -hmm. He is showing you a little bit more each week of improvement. There mm -hmm. are still a lot of areas to clean up. Like, like his long completion early to Dallas Goddard. Right. He, he started yeah, to throw it. Doesn't there's mm -hmm. just throw it. Like the pockets clean. Like he's still sort of bailing from clean pockets that you want to see him clean up. But 
again, like like practice some patience here. Ultimately, he might he might not. We yeah. still don't know yet, and right. you know, I, I think we still have to sort of take some time to work this through. And I think it was nice to see, like you just mentioned, the back to back passes to Devontae Smith. We saw in the third quarter, yeah. like cr- like crunch time. Even though maybe the first half wasn't like as strong, we saw like when it really we we see this over and over. This wasn't the first game we saw this. Like he's going to fight to the yeah. end, and he's going to put the team on his back if he needs to in crunch time, and he's going to show up like show out. So it's like we're not seeing a bunch of blowout games. I think that's also something to take note of. Like this was a winnable game. Yeah. It came down to the defense who was piss poor, and I think they're to blame. So any, I just don't think. Anybody making up the excuse to blame Devon, uh, Jalen Hurts for this loss, that's not fair because at the end of the day, the defense was honestly uh, the reason that we lost this game and uh, Jonathan Gannon. Do you think I, – I, I wanted to ask you about this. I've seen some speculation that, that Hurts might be a little nervous, wound up, something early in games, which is why we sometimes – and we've talked about it, right? Like the scripted drives early – like when he knows he's going to be running, like those seem to be good. And then like second half, he seems to get stronger as the game goes on. As yeah. you mentioned, he's a very competitively tough kid. Like he, he's not going to give up, but it's like, you know, that late first quarter, second quarter time rage where is he nervous? Is he pressing too much? Like, it seems like th- they got to figure out that portion. Do you, like, what do you yeah. think is happening there? I don't know. And I, it's interesting that you said that because we're going to touch on it later when we t- talk on um, the college football performance from this past weekend. But certain quarterbacks you see are like adverse, like they thrive when they're in the midst of adversity. And th- that just seems like the type of player or team that the Eagles are right now. And it just seems like they don't start strong. Like they have to fight their way through. And mind you, they were in the lead in a good, good percentage of this game, but I don't know if it's nerves. I don't know if it's like feeling that like the pressure and the adrenaline makes him like ball out. I don't know. It just seems like it's something about like the adversity and really having to fight in order to bring that out of him, like to bring that like dog mentality out of him. And and it makes me wonder, like I've seen this with other quarterbacks, like Mitchell Trubisky during his time in Chicago, like sometimes Matt Nagy would call like designed runs for him where it's like Mm -hmm. clear, like they would just call like 18, 19 power where it's like, me back when I was like nine, like you take the snap and you just run yeah. um, to get him sort of into the flow of a game. Um, I saw Nate Tice who does great work at the athletic, the athletic mm-hmm. podcast and, and elsewhere. He backed up Russell Wilson at Wisconsin. And he, I think told the story about how Russell Wilson was sometimes keyed up early in games and they had to do things to sort of get him into the flow. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's something that Nick Sirianni has to start thinking about doing like some design stuff or whatever it is to sort of get hurts to sort of get into the flow of the game, sort of get into the moment because yeah, that like 20 minute stretch where it's like the last five minutes of the first quarter and the second quarter, like we, we've talked about it a couple of weeks now. It's like, he, mm-hmm. get, cause he's good early. Yeah. Good late. It's like that 20 minute window. You need to see better. If yeah. there's something that you can do to sort of iron that out, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, But what else did you see? Well, I wanted to touch on the defense because yeah. I thought, um, it's piss poor. And, you know, I've said that before, like seeing how they were not able to execute and like hold it down. Like if the offense is giving you like this opportunity, you got to give them something. So seeing that the defensive linemen, like zero sacks, zero tackles for loss, zero QB hits, 
and we're in week nine and a lot of these players are not rookies. Like they're not young players. It's just unacceptable. So I think that's something to mention And you already, I think you already touched on it, how the defense allowed a fifth uh, QB this season to complete 80 or more passes in a game. Unacceptable. Yeah. Like it's kind of like, it's a team effort. So yeah, there were things that Hurts has to fix. Yeah. But I feel like, the defense has to show up also in order to contribute to the win. Yeah. I mean, I think you're exactly right about this defense and it's, it's weird. I'm having these like weird Jim Schwartz flashbacks because you're watching this defense and whether it's cover three, cover one, cover four, whatever coverage their corners are playing like six, seven, eight yards off. You're giving them, you know, easy throws in front of you. You know, the idea is, you know, you won't get beat over the top. You'll rally downhill and make tackles, but you know, even early, like there was a third and seven, you've got them backed up on their own four yard line and you run cover one, but you've got the corners at one by seven. You're just giving them the throw in front of you. Any NFL quarterback is going to take that all day. Like, yeah. and so that's a problem. You know, a lot of people have pointed out that it's very sort of static mm-hmm. on the drive when they went down the field and one, I don't think they blitzed once. Nope. It's just, we're going to drop and we're going to keep everything in front of us. Okay. Well, if he started to carve you up, Maybe just once to just change things up to give Justin Herbert something to think about. Maybe one blitz, like yeah. one, just one, maybe one, yeah. just one. I mean, that part of it is frustrating. And then the sort of inverted cover two stuff that, that you know, teams, I, inverted cover two is where you show a single high and you've got two guys down and then right at the snap, the two guys that are down bail deep and bring the one guy down. So you you show cover one, cover three, and then you invert it from mm-hmm. inside players going outside to, to run cover two. There was a third down conversion to Keenan Allen where they were in that inverted cover two. And it just – I understand why teams like to run in that sort of a change of pace, but you don't really confuse people with it. Mm-hmm. You really just get guys running awkwardly making these weird rotations that they might not be you know, fluid at doing. So mm-hmm. that's a frustrating thing to see as well. The, the defense has been frustrated. A lot of people are yeah. frustrated with Jonathan Gannon. I think rightfully so. Now, maybe from his perspective, he's like, look, this is the personnel I have. This is what we can do. I really just kind of want to try to maybe simplify things or whatever. It's not working right now. Like yeah. it, 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 it works, sure, against Jared Goff, but, yeah. you know, my cats could call a good defense against Jared <laughs> Goff. So I, I, I wouldn't hang my hat on that. I yeah. think you look at the results from Sunday. You look at the fact that, like you pointed out, what, five quarterbacks this year with an 80% yes. percentage or better? Like, numbers don't lie. These are just numbers. Like, it's not like we're pointing stuff out on field. These are just numbers. And we were literally talking about last week how Justin Herbert, the past two games, was not looking like himself. And then he comes out and he looks amazing like 32 of 38, 356 yards, three touchdowns. And um, I saw, according to Pro Football Focus, he had the quickest time to throw from week nine at an average of 2.35 seconds. So I think we made him look too good. Like we allowed him to like channel that. I don't know, but. Yeah. And and that's that, that time to throw. That's part of the thing when you're playing guys seven yards off, like yeah. it's catch and throw. Like you're not even reading stuff out. Like yeah. at least if you put guys in press alignment, yeah, there's a fear you might get beaten over the top. Mm-hmm. but it takes a little bit longer for stuff to work. To, yeah. Like if you've got, if you're a receiver, you've got a guy in press alignment, like it's going to take you an extra step or two to work yourself free, like hitch route, slant, whatever route you're running. It's going to be, you don't get that free release. You might have to mm-hmm. sort of do a you know, stutter step off the line or something. Quarterback has to hold it for an extra second. You might give guys up front time to get home. 
But if you're at seven by one, you know, seven yards off, one yard inside or outside, depending on the leverage, and quarterback could just catch and throw, curl, hitch, whatever in front of you, you're going to yeah. get that slow snap to throw time. You're not going to give your defensive line time to get home. All there's turning into doing is two steps, put the arms up and try to knock something down. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's, it's sort of not working. Like, even if yeah. you're worried about getting beat over the top, make them earn it. Make them yeah. earn it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Herbert, his average depth of target on Sunday was like 5.6 yards. <laughs> By comparison, Justin Fields last night, 15.6. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's two different worlds. And if, if you're just able to throw quick stuff underneath because they're playing you so off, mm-hmm. you'll take that and complete 80% of your passes and work downfield. It was way too easy for him. Yeah. It definitely should have been way more aggressive, but – I mean, hopefully they learn from this. They watch the film and something's got to give. Like, they got to do better. Hopefully. But look, you're going to get Teddy Two Gloves this week. Yep. Who yep. is more than happy to throw downfield. Yep. More than happy to throw short. Like, whatever you mm-hmm. take, whatever you give him, he's going to take it. So, yeah, you got to figure something out. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. And let's touch on that. I mean, we're heading into week 10. Like I said, uh, we're heading to Denver. Uh, the Broncos are five and four, and they are coming off of a huge week nine victory over 
the Eagles division rivals, the Dallas Cowboys, like they completely smacked them in the mouth. Like yeah. it was just wild. I don't think anybody expected that. Teddy Bridgewater uh, finished 19 of 28 for 249 yards, a touchdown, and he had a rushing touchdown. So both sides of the ball, it was just a complete win. You saw both sides of the ball showed up and completely embarrassed the Cowboys. So I don't know what to expect. I'm a little nervous going into week 10. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things to think about. One, this is a game at Denver, okay? Yeah. And my my wife's side of the family used to live out in the Colorado area. And I would tell you from traveling out there, like you want to fly out like Tuesday to get mm -hmm. used to it because the altitude is a factor. Like. Okay. Just I, I remember we went to just go to Red Rocks, not mm -hmm. for a concert, just to visit it and walk it up. I mean, I was obviously out of shape, but of course I was winded okay. by the time you get up there. And so that that is something to think think about. Yeah. This was a very physical defense. Now, yes. Dak Prescott touched about it, you know, talked about it after that game. He said, look, they were extremely physical up front. They were physical in the secondary. You watch, I, I do each week for for blogging the boys, a, a Dak mm -hmm. watch video where this week I broke down 10 plays from Prescott. And okay. a lot of them, the throws were on point, but the defensive backs, Fuller, Hairston, others, yeah. they were very physical at the catch point. Like, yeah. you know, Fuller had one pass break where he comes sort of up through the pocket because okay. it's a high throw to like sort of break it up. There's another one where Hairston comes over the top. They were physical. They were challenging receivers at the catch point. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have to be quick with reads, with throws. You're going to have to be crisp with ball placement. Like they're mm -hmm. going to attack the catch point. They're going to come after you up front. And then offensively, like, Loaded, you know, yeah, they, they have extremely talented weapons. You look at Jerry yes. Judy, who's back, Tim you know, Patrick is quietly one of the better receivers in the game. I agree. He had the vertical touchdown against Trayvon Diggs. Like, th mm -hmm. this is going to be a big challenge. I mean, this is a Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. Williams. Yes. Like, those guys can run the football. Javante Williams, left yep. nothing more than to run right through your face. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a very physical team. It, yep. You know, it's going to be a challenge to go out to Denver and win this one. Don't let the record fool you. Like, oh, no, no, this no. Is, this, is a, this is a team that's going to get after you. Yeah, and one of the, like, big storylines that was going around is how, like, people thought that with Vaughn Miller gone, right. they were going to struggle. But uh, outside linebacker Jonathan Cooper stepped up and played tremendously. He led the team with four tackles, had two QB hits, two sacks, and his first two sacks were like of his NFL career. So clearly, like that shows you, like they're not missing, like they're not out and done without Von Miller. Right. Like, they have other young, talented players who are are going to step up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, Cooper had a fantastic game. I think a lot of people thought, oh, they're trading Von Miller. It's they're punting on the season. They're getting ready. Yeah. No, I mean, and yeah. you look at the. West, yeah, Kansas City is struggling. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. the Chargers just won, but you know they lost two straight. You look at the Raiders; that's mm -hmm. you know a whole another situation. Yeah, um, the AFC West is winnable from Denver's perspective. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, this is going to be a tough one for this is definitely going to be a tough one. Yeah. Compared my mindset compared to like going up against the Chargers, like I had a feeling like okay, we can like we can put up a fight. This game, I'm not as confident just based off of seeing how they dominated week nine. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see like what the Eagles do, if any changes they're going to make um, offensively. Yeah, I, mean, I think they might, you know, they're going to, I think they're going to struggle for sure because we know, like we talked on the pressure, on pressure, the defense is going to be, they need to switch something up. Yeah. I mean, you, 
like we talked about, we talked a lot about the off coverage stuff. Like you might want to get guys into a little bit more press alignment. Like you, mm-hmm. you might want to say, look, okay, you might beat us over the top, but I'd, I'd we'd rather you in a, a you can think about it philosophically a couple of different ways, but at this point, given what we've seen, yeah, mm-hmm. if you're going to beat us over the top, like fine, but that's a tougher throw. It's a tougher thing to read out. Like you've got to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Better that than like just giving you seven yards at a pops of thanks to seven yards of cushion. Now, Honestly, you, you see teams, what, what they're doing against Buffalo, what they're doing against the Chiefs, right? They're, mm-hmm. We're going to play too deep. We're going to give you that stuff underneath because we're so afraid of that. And yeah. It's been working against those te- two teams. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't been working for the Eagles defense, so maybe it is time to, to try something out. So I don't even know what to expect for this game. Yeah. I mean, do you think there's a chance, though, because you sometimes see this in the NFL, even college level. Team loses a game, but they mm-hmm. play well, and it's against a superior opponent. And it almost is like a jolt that's like, look, we're not that bad. Like, like we're we can not. play with these teams. Like, yeah. do you think there's a there's a chance we see that kind of effect from this loss? I mean, I think anything is possible. I mean, it would be nice to see that, but I'm not gonna get my hopes up. Yeah, and say like I'm expecting that to happen because yeah, it just continues to be like a, a area of concern. Yeah. I mean, I, in football as in life, it's always a good lesson to not get expectations <laughs> up because then yeah. you won't be disappointed. Yeah. And I, I say that as a as a dad that is dealing with the, the effects of daylight saving time and the time switch because, man, it's been a rough couple of days. Especially Sunday morning because the cats get fed at 7 a.m. by, by the kids getting out. Okay. So at 6 a.m. I had pause to the face. Like, oh Where's our food? Because they don't know. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's been a struggle for everybody. East, East Coast dads are struggling right now. <laughs> East Coast dads. Oh man. So um I'm excited. Uh you suggested, you know, like yep. we touch touch on some college football. So I'm actually actually yep. really, really excited to um talk about like what we saw from one of the most highly anticipated games from this past weekend. We saw Liberty versus Mississippi a showdown between two top 2022 QB prospects. So I know you want to talk about this. Uh, so let's just dive right into it. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was literally like the game, right? Like, yeah. And I think every team had representatives there. I think Denver had like five people there <laughs> from their front office to watch this game because, yeah. you know, whatever you think or, you know, whatever you're thinking about or writing about or reading about this, this 2022 draft class of quarterbacks, like, you're going to get to Matt Corral from Mississippi and Malik Willis uh, from Liberty pretty quickly in your evaluation process. And a lot of people sort of build this as QB one battle, right? Mm-hmm. One of these guys might be QB one and we've seen similar games, right? Like a couple of years ago, Joe Burrow versus Tua Tungo Iloa mm-hmm. uh, down at Alabama. Um, Burrow won that game. He ended up, you know, winning, you know, the national championship. He goes first overall mm-hmm. last year. You saw fields versus Lawrence. You saw mm-hmm. fields versus Jones. You know, we got a sort of a potential look at these two guys. Um, Matt Corral played efficient. Um, yeah. You know, he, he, he's he got this, like, sort of throw in motion that reminds me a lot of Lamar. Like, okay. Lamar's okay. got this, like, low-release point and kind of just yes. like, the, the wrist flick from the ear. Corral sort of has that as well. Okay. Um, moves well in the pocket. Um, a lot of questions about Matt Corral will come, I think, from an offensive scheme standpoint because Lane Kiffin does a lot of creative stuff that you might not see on an NFL Sunday. Okay. Unless you really sort of borrow from his playbook. But I thought Matt Corral played really well. Malik Willis struggled. You know, he, he threw three interceptions. He had one in the end zone late when he was trying to make something happen. The one that sort of concerned me was the one he threw early when he faked the screen on the smoke screen to the right side and then tried to hit the vertical route mm-hmm. a little bit late and it got intercepted. It was a long throw. 
But what worried me about it was if you look at his game against Middle Tennessee State, I did a okay. video breakdown of it. He threw okay. three interceptions of that in that game as well. One of them was on a very similar concept. It was a four receiver, like over unbalanced thing, but it was the same, like pump on the screen, throw the vertical. Okay. And that safety read it and jumped it. Okay. And that was a couple of weeks ago. And now yeah. he's making the same mistake on the road against Mississippi. So, you know, quarterbacks are going to make mistakes. I want to see if they learn from them. Mm -hmm. You know, this is an example where, you know, he can still try to make that throw. He has the arm to do it, but got to be a little bit quicker because that safety just read his eyes. And so a lot of people, their takeaways were Corral had the better day. Maybe he's the better guy. Willis yeah. is certainly talented, mm -hmm. but the developmental curve, it might be like yeah. a two to three year curve, right? Yeah. yeah. And I looking at the stats, uh, Matt Corral finished 20 of 27 for 324 yards and had a touchdown. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, Malik Willis finished 16 of 25 for 173 yards. Like you mentioned, three interceptions and he was sacked nine times, nine times in seven of the sacks. Seven of his sacks were from the first half. So yeah. one of the biggest things I saw from this game was how it was a tale of two halves. And kind of like we were touching on Jalen Hurts, you saw how he faced adversity because he could have been down and out um, right. like bad, but he kept fighting the entire game. So that shows like the type of player he is, the type of leader he is. Um, Liberty was down 24 to zero midway through the third quarter. So the yeah. fact that, I mean, it wasn't like a super, super close game. Like they didn't battle back all the way, but he never stopped fighting. So that shows like that's that's something to take note of. But he really like was a, a threat when it came to like the running game. Like you could tell that they leaned on him heavily yeah. in the running game. Um, he's, he's incredibly athletic. Yeah. And, you know, you see plays from him where, you know, you sometimes you talk about process versus results, right? And we talk yeah. about it with her. It's like, yeah. you know, you make a great play, you're scrambling, you run around, but stay in the pocket and make a throw. Mm -hmm. You also can see that with Willis where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, if he just sort of hands in the pocket and makes a throw, that'd be great from a draft valuation standpoint, but mm -hmm. it's hard to ignore the like, okay, well, once he bailed the pocket, yeah, he's bouncing off defenders. He's yeah. got incredible contact balance. Like it, it you got to take, it's going to need two college guys, three college guys to sort of get him to the ground. Sometimes yeah. it keeps his eyes downfield. They can make throws on the move that are eye popped in. And, yeah. You know, a, a team's going to take a swing on the upside with Malik Willis in the first round. I was mm -hmm. on a lions podcast last weekend and they were like, well, we've got to pick at the end of the first round. Do you think he'll be there at 29 or so? Cause they have the Rams first round pick. Okay. No, no, uh, he's not going to last that long. Like yeah. he may, and we've talked about this, you know, this might be a quarterback class where, the quarterback in a vacuum on your big board for whatever team is graded out as like the 25th best player, the top quarterback, mm -hmm. you're going to have to draft him at five. You're going to have to draft him at seven or whatever in the top 10 because of the positional value. Like yeah. it's as we're, this entire show is dedicated to the positional value of the quarterback position. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you probably can't wait. You're going to have to draft one of these guys early and, and hope that you have a plan for him. But Willis is incredibly talented. The mm -hmm. arm talent is like eye popping off the charts, incredibly mm -hmm. athletic. It just, I think a lot of these guys and, and with Willis, you might not be ready to start them week one as a rookie. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how you were talking about how it might take him a little bit longer to get developed. And like we talk about with Jalen Hurts, you see those similarities and no. you see, but you see this a lot when it is those type of quarterbacks, these mobile, like they're super athletic, like they lean on their legs. That's their, like yeah. they're that dual threat. But a lot of times they struggle when it comes to like their arm. So it's just interesting because you see it a lot 
when it comes to those type of quarterbacks. Compared yeah, you're to you're exactly right, Rachel, because I can guarantee you at every time every time he's walked onto the field, Malik Willis has been the most athletic guy out there. Yeah. Like maybe it wasn't the case Saturday, but mm-hmm. every other game he's probably ever played in that dating back to Pee Wee football. He's been able to run around and make these kinds of plays. Yeah. But then when you get to this, you know, SEC level of a competition, or certainly next year, mm-hmm. when you get Vaughn Miller chasing you down, like it's a different <laughs> story. And so the athleticism will help you. You can lean on it. It will buy you time, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively, to either read stuff out or create. But you know, eventually one. you're gonna have to learn, like, okay, I'm not gonna be able to just pull it down and run every time. Like I can do it, you know, certainly. Mm-hmm you know, a good chunk okay. of the time. But at some point, I'm just going to have to hand in here and read stuff out and make a throw. Yep. He's got the arm to do it. Now it's filled in the sort of reading stuff out ability. And, you know, he'll get there. Like, yeah. I'm not worried about that. It's just a question of if you're an organization that's going to draft Malik Willis in the first round, how patient are you going to be? Like, if you're a team that's ready to be extremely competitive now, mm-hmm. maybe you go in a different direction. Yeah. But if you've got like a, like Detroit, like mm-hmm. if you if you're clearly like on a two to three year rebuild schedule, draft mm-hmm. Malik Willis, start to build in around him and develop him, and you know you've got some time to play with. I'm hearing some similarities. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There are a lot of parallels here, Rachel. A lot of parallels, but no, I, I think that I'm excited that we touched touched on this. Yeah, and I think you know as we start going forward, as we start sort of pivoting to draft talk, we'll be doing more of this gentle listeners. And so, yeah. you know, we'll get some people on to talk some draft too. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. But the Eagles head to Denver, like we mentioned. They're going to play the Broncos on Sunday, mm-hmm. November 14th at 4.25 p.m. So a little bit of a later game. Um, immediately after, you guys know the drill. We do the BGN Instant Reaction Show. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Interact with us. Leave us your comments. Leave us your questions. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media, like I mentioned. And we will be back next week to talk Eagles ball. So any last words, Mark? Well, nothing but this. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.